It's a wonderful day in here, so we're glad you're here. We're going to sing number 465 in the blue tonight. 465. Sing number 470. 470.
that one was a favorite. Amen? That was good. Brother Jason, that well, if you would, open us in prayer, please. Amen. Please do be seated. I, uh, I'm always jealous of those of you who uh, can memorize the hymns. I, uh, I get some of them sometimes, but uh, most of them usually not. But anyhow, I love that song. We are still in the book of John uh, tonight, so if you would, go to John chapter 1. And uh, we remember that one of the metaphors that John is working here in this uh, in uh, this portion of scripture is he continually relates light to darkness, light being relationship with him, darkness being relationship with the devil, uh, light is salvation, darkness is being in a lost condition, and, and if you will, we're supposed to be light in a dark world, meaning we're supposed to be witnesses, okay? And it's interesting that right here uh, at the beginning of the book of John, he, he begins by talking about him being the light and in the world, and then there was one to bear witness of that light, and it talks about John the Baptist. And uh, so we want to look at him tonight, but more than anything, we want to look at, if you will, witnesses for the Lord, because it's not just him here. We want to talk about witnesses for the Lord in general here uh, tonight. So John chapter 1, beginning of verse 6, the Bible says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And then it goes on to describe light in, in the person of Christ, and we'll, we'll talk about that at another time. But skip down to verse 15. And in verse 15, the Bible says, John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have uh, all we received, and grace for grace." For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And this is the record of John, when Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem uh, to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Uh, again, uh, just in case we're, that means I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the anointed one. I'm not the promised seed. I'm not the son of David. I'm not the one you're looking for. Okay? Um, and they ask him, what then? Art thou Elias? And we'll see why they ask this question here in a moment. And, and he said, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, no. He's a prophet they were talking about. You remember Sunday morning we talked about Moses said that God would send a prophet like unto him, unto Moses. Him you would listen to. You would listen to him. You're not listening to me, but you'll listen to him. 
And uh, that's, who he's, that's who they're referring to right there. And uh, help me, where did I leave off? Uh, 21, thank you. I'm looking at the wrong side of the page. That's why. Uh, the Bible says, Then said they unto him, Who art thou? Uh, that we may give answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as saith the prophet Isaiah. Or Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees, and they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou, why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? We'll answer that question here in a moment. And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara, uh, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. And the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man, which is preferred before me, for he was before me. Uh, by the way, John's six months older than Jesus. That's a powerful verse of scripture there if you'll dig into it a little bit. The Bible says, And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Unto whom thou seest the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. And again the next day after, John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to open your word, to sing your praises. We do thank you for the hope that uh, we are uh, a friend. You invited us to that relationship. We pray that we would embrace it even here today. And Father, do be with those who are apart from us. Lord, some are ministering to a family. Uh, Father, some might be sick. We just pray that you'd put your healing hand upon them. And Father, we pray that you'd give a, a draw and a conviction for those that, uh, who should be here, Father. More than anything, we just pray that you'd meet with us now. Help us to see... Uh, the messengers of God, and if you will, our part in that. And Father, just uh, help us to even now be looking for your soon coming. Father, we love you, and we thank you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And so we are talking about witnesses for the Lord. He, he essentially says this. He says, I'm not the Messiah, I'm not the Christ, I'm not the one you're looking for, but I came to prepare the way for that one. And, and so he was a messenger for when Jesus came. You remember how it ended there? Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And so as soon as Jesus came, there he is. He, he, he's, and by the way, he's probably spent six months up to this point declaring those very things. Is, is you need to get ready. The Christ is coming and, and, and your hearts are not ready. You need to be baptized. And baptism doesn't save, but baptism shows a new heart and a new relationship and, uh, if you will, a new birth. Okay, And, and, and so, if you will, uh, it, 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 it would take a message to explain all that. But the whole point is this is uh, he has come to bear witness of Christ. So I want to ask the question in verse 7 here. Why witnesses are necessary? In verse 7, again, the Bible says this. It says, The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. You see, the purpose of witnessing is so that men might believe. The Bible teaches us this. Think about this. 
Um, how are we saved? By faith. Okay, there's actually by grace through faith. Okay, and so God's gift of everlasting life comes by virtue of our faith in him and the promises of God, if you will. And so if you will, why are witnesses necessary? And, and again, what is a witness? If you think about it, if there was a crime up here, and they asked for witnesses, and they said, do we have any witnesses here? And let's say you all raised your hand, and what would you then say? I mean, what would your immediate thing, if, you know, think about it. I probably didn't ask that question very well. But if you witnessed a crime, they asked, are you a witness? Yes. Then they would say, what did you see? And, and what happened to you? Or, or what did you see? Or what did you witness, if you will, okay? And, and so if you will... Uh, the Bible tells us that we must to come to him by faith. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, you know, uh, matter of fact, let's look there because we're going to look at a couple of verses. Go to Hebrews 11. And uh, the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Excuse me. And, uh, and so if you will, uh, the Bible says that faith is, is, of course, important for salvation and then in verse 6, it, it makes it clear. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now, let's, let, if you will allow me just to stretch that a little bit. Without faith, it's impossible to be saved. Is that true? I mean, I'm not stretching too far. For by grace are you saved through faith. And so faith is necessary for salvation. And so he's saying this, you cannot be saved without faith. This is going to be important here for a second because the Bible says that the devils believe also and tremble. Can I tell you that there are some unbelievers who believe? Uh, anybody ever tried to witness to one of those? They're very difficult to witness to. Why? Because they'll say, I believe in God. I believe Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. I believe that you need to pray a prayer. And I believe I, they'll tell you they believe all that. And then you say, will you do it? No. I've got to be honest with you, if you know one of those people, they're some of the most frustrating people you'll ever deal with because they know. And so every time you say, well, did you think about this? I know. Did you think about this? I know. Please take this. Without faith, it is impossible. Y'all understand, it's not just, if you will, ascribing to a certain set of facts. It's also not exactly what you've seen or understand. It's having the faith to believe. Believe what? Well, that you need a Savior for one thing. Amen? And so John the Baptist was saying, uh, Pharisees, you need to be saved, and Sadducees, you need to be saved, and publicans, you need to be saved, and sinners, you need to be saved. And you, uh, Listen, you all understand that? And he's, and he's drawing everybody into this net, saying, you've got to trust me, okay, that the one who's going to provide salvation, he's coming. Okay? And, and so, if you will, they needed to believe. Did some of them believe? Yeah. The Bible says that, that some came. They were believed. They were baptized of John. And then two of his disciples, what does that mean? Somebody who believed the message and had been baptized. That's, that's who they were, okay? He says, when he saw Jesus, he says, there's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Follow him. Follow him. You all understand that? And so he's being a witness, and just like we would be a witness, okay? But if you will... Why witnesses are necessary is because we must come to Jesus by faith. But folks, faith requires a preacher or a proclaimer of the truth that leads a person to believe, okay? And meaning, you're familiar with these scriptures, but please go with me. Go to Romans chapter 10, okay? Romans chapter 10. And Romans chapter 10, 
look at verse 8. We're going to look a little bit extra here. The Bible says, but what saith it? Okay. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Okay. And, uh, and, and so if you will, you say, well, I don't know what that means. Well, the next two verses explain it. Okay. So don't get hung up on, on the verbiage. And verse 8 says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, say it with me, thou shalt be saved. Now let's back up just a little bit. Confess what? What's it mean to confess? Anybody know what it means to confess? It means to agree with. Okay, so if you will, somebody can, accuses you of a crime and say, you stole that. If you confess, you say, I did it, I stole it. I'm agreeing with you. Y'all understand that? So what do we need to confess? Our sin, very good. What else do we need to confess? Because that's not it. Jesus Christ is the Savior, okay? So I confess, I agree with you. Jesus Christ is the only Savior. I'm a sinner. I need to be rescued, delivered, saved, okay? And so if you will, that if thou shalt confess, okay, again in verse uh, uh, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall, what's the next thing to say? Can I just say this? You can say all the right words and not get saved. I'm, I'm a terrible sinner. Have you ever seen somebody say that and then you can tell they don't believe what they're saying? You know? It's a, no, and shall believe in thine heart and then notice what? That God raised him from the dead. By the way, did it take a witness to uh, know that? How many of y'all know Jesus Christ is alive? How many of y'all see it? How many of y'all know this, that there were people who saw it and still didn't believe? I want you to keep that in your mind for a second, okay? They, if they didn't see it, they knew it happened, okay? If they didn't see it, they knew it happened. And, uh, and so the whole point is this. Faith requires a preacher or a proclaimer. And so we read these verses all the time, but go down to verse 14, okay? Because uh, this is the full context, and for sake of time, I'll just go down there. But the Bible then asks this rhetorical question. It's a, a rhetorical question means the answer is implied in the, in the question, meaning you don't really have to think about it. You know what the answer is, okay? And so in verse 14 it says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Meaning, how can they believe on somebody they've never heard about? Okay? And then the Bible says this. It says, And how shall they believe in whom of who they have not heard? And how shall they say it with me here without a preacher? Meaning this. How in the world can they be expected to believe anything if they've never heard that they need to confess that they're a sinner? They need to confess that Jesus Christ is the only Savior. And then they can believe on him in their heart and be saved. Y'all understand that? God is saying this. It's impossible for people to get saved without them getting the message. Okay? And God sends messengers. And so a messenger is a witness. Okay? We'll, we'll look at this more here going forward. You know, think about this. God has done many miracles. Okay? But every person cannot expect a personal miracle from God. Has God done some miracles? What, can I just ask a question? Which miracle, if you could just pick one, you got to see it. Which one would you like to see? Talk to me here. The infinite oil. The, yeah, amen. Of the, of the candlelight or of the food? Of the food, okay, yeah. He just likes that pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. That's good, yeah. Anybody else like to see a miracle? Oh, man. I think dividing of the Red Sea would be pretty close for me. Feeding of the 5,000. Where do you want to stand for that miracle? 
Oh, amen. <laughs> I keep reaching into the bag and it's still full. Yeah, amen, that's good. What other miracles? Come on now. Can you think of anything? How many of y'all have ever seen a miracle? Someone getting saved. How many of y'all believe you getting saved was a miracle? Please take this the right way. If it wasn't a miracle, you're probably not saved. And so we really need to embrace the fact that we have seen a miracle. We can witness a miracle. Hey, I used to be this. I used to be that. We had an opportunity to meet a young man today that it was a, a meth uh, addict for years. He's been saved, I believe, his, he said, for 17 years. Amen. And it was a joy to hear his testimony and how excited he was about the things of God. Amen. It was wonderful. That man had a miracle done in his life. And so, well, that's because he was on meth. You know what? It takes just as much to save the meth addict as it does the person who grew up in church and never did anything wrong. Amen. It takes the same grace, and it's the same miracle. Now, why do I make mention of this, though? Folks, I want you to think about this. Um, um, God, if he gave everybody a miracle like the parting of the Red Sea, how, how about this one? Anybody here would like to see God lick up Elijah's sacrifice? Huh? Why don't you turn there for a second? Let's go there, Okay. What was everybody's response when they saw that? Not, for sake of time, I won't tell the whole story, but you know it. They, they dug a trench, and they poured all kinds of water on top of it. And, and then in 1 Kings chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 18, in verse uh, 36, we see the, the end of the day comes, and, and uh, now it's God's turn to show himself mighty. And... Uh, Again, in chapter 18 and verse uh, 36, he says this. Uh, it says, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel. Let it be what? Known. Let me ask you a question. If you know something, can you believe something? Now, the Bible does say, I know in whom I have believed. But please take this the right, right way. You know because you believe. I'm not trying to get too technical here, okay? But, listen, if, if we were there and saw this miracle, by the way, he said, show yourself. You guys know what happens next. God comes down, the fire licks up, the sacrifice, the stones, the water, and everything. And then look at verse 38. What's their response? They all begin to fall down and cry out, The Lord, He is God! The Lord, He is God! They knew He was God. You, you might want to check the next chapters and see how their lives changed. Because they didn't. Folks, they had seen a miracle. They knew there was a God. The only proper response was, The Lord, He is God! The Lord, He is God! Please take this the right way. They didn't have to have a lick of faith to believe that. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Do you all understand the point? The point is this, is they saw a miracle direct from God. You know, there was another guy. We've been looking at him on Sunday morning. Pharaoh's going to see a whole bunch of miracles only God can do. And at the end of the day, he still refused to believe. you all understand that? 
get a hold of this. That's why God sends messengers, okay? These people here in verse 39 knew that he was God. But even some who know the Lord is God refused to come to him by faith. You know, another miracle I would have liked to have seen, go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. In Mark chapter 5, he, he comes over to the other side of the sea, the Sea of Galilee, and the country of the Gadarenes. And it meets a man that we call the Gadarene demoniac. The Bible says they lived in a cave. He was bound by chains that couldn't hold him. He, he would break them. The Bible says he would scream and cry in the night. Don't you know people had to be terrified of that man? How many of y'all think that people uh, just kind of give him a wide berth, Okay. And you know the only thing that really, really, truly freaked him out? Is God, uh, the, the, you remember they, he says, who are you? I'm legion. And he sees a herd of pigs and they said, don't torment us before the time. And they said, there's a herd of pigs, cast us into them. Okay, and so they did that. They immediately ran into the sea. Miracle! Y'all with me? You know what the biggest miracle was? The biggest miracle is at verse 17. Let me give you the right verse. Yeah, verse 17. See that? The Bible says that the people came down when they saw the disturbance and they saw that demon-possessed man seated and clothed and in his right mind. They saw a miracle. Proof that God is real. Y'all with me? And what was their response? The next response was, would you please leave? Well, folks, i got to tell you that God's not going to give a miracle to every person. Well, if God would just show himself, God has shown himself. And you either believe it or you don't. And he doesn't owe you a miracle because he's always already given you plenty. If nothing more than just the fact that God saved this sinner at one time. And I'm telling you that Jesus Christ can save your soul. Okay? A witness. Okay, you see, the problem is, is that if if you had miracles all the time like this, it would eliminate the need for faith. Okay, it would eliminate the need for faith. Faith comes how? We were just in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, right? The Bible says there's got to be a preacher. But then for Romans 10, 17, you probably can quote it. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, meaning this. The, they've got the account of the miracles. And by the way, people who saw the miracles, some of them believed and some of them didn't. Well, if he'd show me one, <laughs> they have the word. And if they will not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they believe, though one rose from the dead. You guys remember that? By the way, how many of y'all know one rose from the dead? And God says this, if they won't believe the account of that, they're not going to believe a miracle either. Amen. Get a hold of that, okay? And so if you will, God is saying that, if you will, the reason that there needs to be a witness, it's somebody who's experienced a miracle, the miracle of salvation, and then you can go and you can, can proclaim the word of God, and people can hear, and then they can make a choice to believe. Amen? And then they can be saved. Praise God. That's God's plan. That's God's message. That's God why, That's the way God does it. And a lot of people would love to excuse themselves. Well, if God would do this and if God would do that, God's done enough. God's done enough. And if he's done it in your heart and life, amen? 
then that's enough for you to know that you need to go. Why? Because God sends messengers. He sent a messenger before that he came the first time. And so I want you to think about this. I want you to see who God promised to be messengers, okay? Who did God promise to the world, to unsaved people, to be messengers? Would you go to Isaiah chapter 40? Isaiah chapter 40. Okay. They asked him, they said, art thou the Christ? He says, I'm not the Christ. Okay. Well, then who are you? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? He says, he said, I'm one that cries in the wilderness, making straight the ways of the Lord. Preparing, okay, uh, uh, if you will, preparing people. And, uh, and folks, that is a quote from Isaiah chapter 40, verses uh, 3 through 5. But before you go there, I want you to look at verse 1, okay? So Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 1. And uh, I wish we're all Isaiah scholars here for a moment. I'll, I'll do what I can to show you. But, but notice what it says. It says, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Can I just tell you this? If you'd been reading previous to this, the theme wasn't comfort. <laughs> okay? the, the theme was condemnation. Okay? And now, if you will, it's comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your Lord. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. Help me now. How do you speak comfortably? Think about it. If you have an upset child, how do you, how do you comfort them? Yeah, you, yeah. Shut up! Quit crying! Does that work, parents? Take this the right way. I'm not, I'm not trying to be clever here. They tell you not to shake your baby. It's because you're out of control. You don't comfort a baby by trying to stop crying. Okay? I'm, I'm, you got it? You speak comfortably to it. You comfort it. You hold it. You embrace it. You do what it takes for that child to understand your love and compassion. You all with me? That's exactly what's happening here. God is changing his theme, and he's, and he's speaking uh, to the nation of Israel through Isaiah the prophet. And he says, speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry, out, cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, and her iniquity is pardoned. Listen, I, all, all the condemnation I just told you about, I'm going to forgive all that. Amen? Praise God. That her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. He says, listen, I've been extra hard on you. How many firstborn do we have here? Uh, you got the worst of it because mom and dad had to set the pattern. They were still learning. Quite often you got in trouble for things the younger ones got away with. Come on, let's have a pity party right now. <laughs> and it's a little bit true because, if you will, Israel is God's firstborn, okay, metaphorically. And he's saying this. He says, you've received double, but I, was, I, was, I needed to teach you a lesson so I could provide a blessing. Okay? And then it's when verse 3 comes. He says this. He says, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. What, what do you think he's crying? Go back to verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye. Okay? The Bible says, the voice of one that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Um, how long does it take to go to Branson? From here? 
An hour and 30 minutes. How, f how far are we from Branson? Just guess, guys. We don't have to know to the point. No, it's about 50 miles. So why does it take an hour and a half to go 50 miles to Branson? Thank you. There are no straight roads. <laughs> and can I just tell you this? It's and I don't know about you, but every once in a while, especially when you're in a hurry, how many of y'all wish they just put a highway in between here and there? Why? Because it'd be easier. You see what he's saying? He's saying, I'm going to make this as easy as I can for you to come to Jesus Christ. You get it? That's the metaphor that he's working here. Make straight the paths of the Lord. I'm going to make it as easy as I can for you to come to me and to receive me. And I'm going to do that by sending a man who prepares a way for me to do that. Okay? Folks, get a hold of this. That's going to apply to us here in a minute. Okay? Because the Bible says, it says, every valley shall uh, be exalted. Meaning, remember the straight paths? Sometimes the straight paths have problems with this. So I'm going to exalt the valleys, amen, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. Are you seeing the metaphor? He's not just making it straight, he's, in a sense, I, I, it's, not, it's not my notes, but the ground is level at the foot of the cross. You guys ever heard that? Meaning this, God just straightened it out, made it easy, made it level. How can we be saved? There's one name under heaven given among men whereby all men must be saved. Can I just tell you, that makes it pretty easy. And that's what a messenger has to tell people, okay? The Bible says at verse 5, it says, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Folks, that's when, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Amen? The Bible says, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. I've made you this promise, okay? And so, if you will, it's interesting, the book of Isaiah is actually divided like your Bible. Your Bible is divided 39 Old Testament books and 27 New Testament books for a total of 66. And uh, the book of Isaiah is the same way. There's 39 chapters of basically consequences of sin. And if you want to take and boil it down, the first 39 chapters, consequences. Babylon's fallen, and this is going to happen, and okay? But then in chapter 40, the whole theme changes. And just like the New Testament, comfort ye, comfort ye. You all understand that? And, and, and so if you will, uh, uh, God, I, I believe, does that. And he teaches us the importance of the comforter. Could you go to John chapter 14, please? John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and look at verse 16. Now, I, if you can, I want you to say this with me when I get to it. This is Jesus speaking here, and he says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you, say it with me, another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Well, folks, please take this the right way. If he's talking about another comforter, he's talking about somebody else. Who is the comforter? Jesus is. Comfort ye, comfort ye. Folks, there's no mistakes in your Bible. <laughs> okay? 
And so John's message was this comforter who was to come, and Jesus Christ is that comforter to come. He later sent another comforter, and it was expedient, it was good. Why? Because he could be with us at all times and all places. Praise God. Amen. That's a whole message for another day. Amen. But the whole point is this, is the Holy Spirit is another comforter. Jesus was the comfort that was to come to Israel and to the whole world. Okay, and to the whole world. Amen. And, and literally, he was to prepare the people to receive Jesus. That's, that's who, if you will, John the Baptist was. That's also who the Holy Spirit is. He's the one that prepares people's hearts. He's the one that gives the draw. He's the one that gives the conviction. You all understand. You see, why? Why? I'll tell you why. Why, why, did, why did Jesus, why did God have to send John and not just send Jesus? Well, think about this for a second. Jesus' time on earth was short. How, how long was Jesus' ministry? Somebody help me. What did you say? Yeah, three, three and a half years. At most, Jesus' ministry was four and a half years. At most. Okay? That's, I mean, there's windows and, you know, people like to argue about those things. It's easier for us to remember three, three and a half. Um, but uh, any of those work, let's put it this way, it was a short work he was going to do on the earth, okay? So what the, what the Lord talks about anyway. And he was going to need building materials for his church. What's Jesus' church built out of? What kind of rocks? Not a trick question, I have an answer. Do you have an answer? What kind of rocks is the church made out of? Jesus is the chief cornerstone, the apostles are the foundation stones. What kind of stones are you? The Bible says in First Peter 2, I can't get the verse out of my head. The Bible says you are lively stones, living stones. Okay, lively stones are living stones. Look it up, okay? And that's what you're made out of, amen? So what is the building material of the church? It saved people. So when Jesus Christ came, if you will, the building materials for his church were already there. Who provided them? Come on. Come on. Yeah. Have some boldness. John. Very good. <laughs> John the Baptist. And what did he do? He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You're not ready. You must be born again, and you must be baptized to show that you have received that new life. Okay. And then you come, and as soon as Jesus came, what did he do? He said, behold, the Lamb of God. He says, follow him. Amen. Immediately, okay? And then later we could talk about how Jesus built his church, okay? Well, <clears throat> how, how do we know this is true, by the way? Go to Acts chapter 1 and look at verse 22. Acts chapter 1. Okay. Acts chapter 1 and verse 22 they're getting ready to replace Judas Iscariot, and they're talking about the qualifications that one had to have to become one of the twelve, okay? Because one of the twelve has fallen now, and so to be one of the twelve, the Bible says that the qualifications they had to be with them, it says, from beginning from the baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up from us. Let me just stop here for a second. When Jesus started his church, he rebaptized all of John's disciples, right? No. It says right here that John's baptism is the same baptism that Jesus did. Believer's baptism. Amen? By the way, did Jesus receive believer's baptism? 
He absolutely did. Now, that, that's just a little thing to put in your head that will come up good down the road. You know, think about this for a second here. John's job was to prepare people to receive Jesus. Okay? And he was a messenger sent from God, the Bible says. Okay? Now, think about this for a second. Did he have a miraculous birth? Did his mom know that he was called of God six months into her pregnancy? By the way, did he recognize Jesus in the womb? Come on now, he leapt in the womb. <laughs> Amen? And take this the right way, he probably didn't remember that. Y'all have such serious faces. That was a little funny. Okay. <laughs> he didn't remember that. You, you know what I mean? Folks, even think about this. John's calling was by faith, a response of faith to a command of God just like yours is. So much so that when John had been arrested and he was in prison and he saw all the miracles that Jesus was doing and he's like, I'm not sure that's what he's supposed to be doing. He sent a couple of his disciples to say, Jesus, are you the one that we're looking for or should we be looking for another? Y'all with me? And, uh, of course, he said, tell him what I'm doing, and that comforted his heart, and, and he understood. Folks he, was, folks, he was driven by the same faith response that we are when we're saved and commanded of God to take and to be a messenger preparing people to receive Jesus Christ, okay? And so, if you will, God uh, has promised to send witnesses. He sent Isaiah, promised John. Jesus commanded us to go. Okay, and you're familiar with this, but Matthew chapter 28, look at verse 16. Matthew chapter 28, you guys are familiar, but we're going to look at it from verse 16. In verse 16, the Bible says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, that, that word there is authority, Okay. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. Okay. Now, who's the head of the church? Jesus is. Who's the foundation of the church? Jesus is. Okay. Who is the savior of the church? Jesus is. Who's, the, who's in charge of the church? Jesus is. And he says this to us. And so, folks, if he is the head of all churches, he's the head of this church. And he promised, if you will, Israel through Isaiah that he would send a witness before he came. Okay? And then Jesus, before he left, this is one of the last things he said, okay, uh, uh, before he left. He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Can I ask you a question? What is different from our commission from John the Baptist's commission? Because how many of y'all think that he taught everybody? So he didn't go to all nations. He just went to the nation of Israel. Okay? That was his particular calling. Did he teach a nation? Did he baptize them? Why? Well, it's... Yeah, it's, it's showing the new birth. It's your relationship, death, burial, and resurrection. It's an act of obedience. Add you to the church. There's so many things that happen at baptism. But yes. And so if you will, 
um, if you will, uh, same, same exact commission. And then, if you will, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Folks, he had disciples. How many of y'all think he taught them how to live? Amen. He was, they were given the same, he was given the same commission that we have been given. Jesus has commanded us, okay? And uh, just real quick, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me show you something here. John the Baptist did it for the nation of Israel to receive their Messiah that they rejected. And uh, Lord willing, they will, well, no, Lord willing, they're going to receive him someday. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is actually kind of confusing for some verse. I don't don't find it confusing, but uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, the Bible says, For by one spirit, and don't worry about any of that for today, but the Bible says, are we all baptized into, what's the Bible say? What kind of body is that? And what's another name for the body of Christ? The church. Okay? Not the church. The church. You all with me? Okay? And then it says this. It says, whether we be Jews or Gentiles. If, if I had more time, I would tell you that is the mystery of the church, Jews and Gentiles in one body, okay? But if you will, what is our job? Our job is to go and to witness a miracle. Tell people Jesus has come and that they must be born again. Amen? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, meaning uh, you don't know if you're going to live one more day. Uh, one of the old techniques we use, what would happen if you died today? Where would you go, heaven or hell, right? That's... we. That's one of the ways we witnessed when we went door to door. And, and so in a sense, we're, we're, we're doing what John the Baptist did. Hey, are you ready for the kingdom of God? Are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Well, no. Well, then can I tell you about him? Amen. Teaching. And then when they believe and they're converted, then you baptize. And then you put them in the church and you teach them and train them to send them out to propagate the great commission that God gave us. Because if we don't do it, people don't hear well, I hate for the fact that churches are dying today. You know why churches are dying today? I read this statistic today. How many of y'all know that the Methodist church in the last couple years has decreased by one-fifth? And, and I don't mean membership. I mean churches have left. Whole churches have left. Anybody want to know why? LGBT. And they say, by the way, sadly... The four-fifths is the one that's keeping the LGBT. And the one-fifth says, we don't want any part of that. Can I just tell you, we got so many churches. This is, this is not, don't take this the wrong way. But they're more worried about activities and programs and plays and entertainment. And not about the job that God gave us to do. Go ye into all the world and preach. You see, God made us witnesses. He made us messengers, okay? He did it with John the Baptist, and he was promised by Isaiah. He, he did it when he gave us the great commission, if you will. And, and then Malachi promises one other set of witnesses, if you will. Go to the book of Malachi, last book in your Old Testament there. 
go to chapter 3 and verse 1. And the Bible says, Behold, I will send my messenger. Okay. That is speaking, I believe, of John the Baptist, okay? But you'll see it's, how many times is Jesus going to come? He comes the first time, he comes the second time. And by the way, he sent messengers before him both times. Okay? Now, is Jesus coming in the church age? Trick question, I just thought of this. Is Jesus coming in the church age? Yeah, is he coming to the earth? So the answer is no. Okay, so we're really not messengers. He's coming, because well, he is coming. But our message is, he's come, and you must believe in him. Okay, John the Baptist was, he's coming and you're not ready. Amen? First coming. At his second coming, that's why he said, they said, art thou Elias? And he said, no, no I'm not. That's who this is talking about. This messenger here, Elijah or Elias, okay? He says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. That's Jesus' first coming, amen? But go to chapter 4 now and look at verse 6, okay? Or excuse me, verse 5. And the Bible says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Well, please take this slight way. A lot of Jews, when they look at this verse, they look at verse 3-1 and they equate it with 4-5. But I just showed you the reason it's not the same is because Jesus came the first time and he's coming again the second time. And by the way, the next time he comes, is he going to come the way he did the first time? Now see, the first time he came meek and he came quiet and he became a servant. And the next time he's coming as a king of kings and a lord of lords. And the day of vengeance of the Lord is what it's called. And notice the description in verse 5. The dreadful and terrible day of the Lord. Okay. Well, folks, that's talking about the tribulation. Okay. Now, how many of y'all are going to go through the tribulation? Okay, good. Because if you were, I was going to witness to you. Because he's going to call his church out. By the way, everything I'm teaching here, if, if I could take an hour, I could explain some of these things. I think you have the background for a lot of it, okay? But he's going to take us out, okay? And if you will, John the Baptist, who did he do his preaching to? The nation of Israel. Now, later, Jew, Gentiles were added to the body and they became one, and Okay? But right before the tribulation begins, there's a thing called the rapture, and God takes all the church out. How many witnesses are there on the earth at that point? Zero. Okay? Is God not willing that any should perish? True. Amen? And so he has to send a messenger. Okay? There's always a confusion. There's a confusion with me. I'm, I'm never sure if the two witnesses come first or the two witnesses come in the last three and a half years. I'm usually of the persuasion that they come in the last three and a half years. Uh, but God somehow at the rapture, how many of y'all, you know, believe your Bible? And can I just tell you, there's a lot of Jews that study this Bible and they don't understand anything. But when that rapture happens, some of them are going to get in that Bible and they're going to say, 
Yeah, that's exactly what they said was going to happen. And they're going to get saved. Could you go to Revelation chapter 7, please? Revelation chapter 7. And uh, I hit this fast, but you can go back and study this for yourself. But Revelation chapter 7, you really need to read the whole thing. But in verses 1 through 8, it talks about uh, how many of them are going to be saved. And you guys know how many. 12,000 from each tribe. How many tribes are there? There's 12. That leads to 144,000. The Bible describes them as virgins. That's, uh, in a sense, people... They could either be young people or they could people be unpeople, undefiled by, you know, false religion, wrong thinking, anyhow. And if you read to the end of the chapter, by the end of the chapter, they're all dead. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. How many of you all think Satan wants them witnessing or being messengers of the gospel? And the answer is no. Okay? God's not willing that any should perish. Okay, and so, if you will, the tribulation starts out, and read it for yourself. It, it, it'll be a blessing to you. But it talks about those 144,000 getting saved and then going and witnessing and becoming martyrs for the Lord. Amen. But they were witnesses. Hey, Jesus is the Christ. Trust in him. That's the Antichrist. Don't believe in him. Amen. And by the way, how many of you all think the Antichrist put up with that? No, the Antichrist didn't put up with that. And he kills them. Again, help me again. Is God willing that any should perish? Can a person be saved without a messenger? How shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And the devils just killed them all. And so at the end of the three and a half years, the first part of the tribulation, the Bible says he raises up two witnesses. Okay? In Revelation chapter 11. Go there. Revelation chapter 11. You can read about them in verses 1 through 14, but for sake of time, just look, if you will, at verse 3. And in verse 3, the Bible says, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred threescore days clothed in sackcloth. That's, that's three and a half years, folks, if you do the math. Okay? It says, These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. That's from the book of Zechariah, if you want to study it. And the Bible says, And if any man hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. Meaning this, he makes it so that they can't be killed. The 144,000 martyred. These guys can't be killed. Why? Well, there might be a lot of reasons for it, but folks, one of them is Elijah. <laughs> How many of you all think it's really Elijah? That's who he said he was coming. He didn't say it would be a guy like Elijah or a person in the spirit of Elijah. He said it was going to be Elijah. Okay, and the other one, I'll just tell you my opinion, you can believe or disagree, uh, but the other one's Moses. Why? Well, just read about it. The Bible says, they have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of, the prophecy, of their prophecy. Who is that? Come on. Who is that? It's Elijah. Is he the only one who did that in the Old Testament? Did God say in the book of Malachi he was coming? Okay, let's put two and two together. Okay. And the Bible says this, and it says, uh, and to have power over the waters to turn them to, what's the Bible say? Blood. That sounds like Moses. Yeah, and you guys know the rest of the story. Eventually, they do get killed. The whole world watches. They celebrate for three and a half days, and then all of a sudden, they come alive, and God takes them up to heaven. And uh, how many of y'all think 
that maybe that'll get a few people's attention. But I wonder how many people that would get saved. Folks, when God says that there has to be a messenger, he's given us a commission, okay? And he's going to have a messenger. He starts with 144,000, the devil kills him, okay? By the way, there's still others saved, but where are they? Does anybody know? They're in hiding, okay? They can't. I mean, if they come out, they die, okay? So they're in hiding, all right? So then God sends the two witnesses, and they do miracles for three and a half years, and they take and prophesy, and okay, and then finally they're killed, okay? Now, when God says he's not willing that any should perish, can I tell you this? He's not willing. You know why? Because he sends one last messenger. Would you go to Revelation chapter 14, please? Revelation chapter 14 and verse 6, and it talks about the final woes. By the way, the woes are the very end of the judgments. The woe, woe, woe judgments. There's three of them. And the very first one is in, uh, again, in chapter 14 and verse 6. And the Bible says this. It says, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, to every nation, every kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. You know what he's saying? In a sense, last chance. Last chance. Fear God. Amen? Well, folks, how did you fear God? Here's how I fear God. Father, forgive me, a sinner. And I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. Come on now, amen? God has told us, if you will, that he is going to send his witnesses. If you will, uh, uh, the reason I taught all this is all of this applies to John chapter 1 concerning the person of John the Baptist, and, and those were the kind of questions that they were asking, and I'm hoping that that uh, will help you when you take and you study that for yourself. But let me say the application is this. I've got to ask this one last question. Anybody got anybody they work with you'd like to see saved? Anybody got any neighbors that you know you'd like to see saved? Anybody got any friends that you know that you'd like to see saved? How many of y'all think Jesus Christ could come today? Please take this the right way, but I think we can have a much more effective ministry than even the 144,000, the two witnesses, or even the angels. Okay, why? Because we can go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Can we still make a difference for the Lord? Why are churches dying besides the fact that they're bringing in nonsense? Nobody's telling them. Nobody's telling them. And I, I would just say this, and, and I'm done. But folks, sometimes we, we get inside ourselves and we make excuses and we have reasons why we can't do this and can't do that. And, and I will tell you this, those reasons only sound good to ourselves. Because when we stand before the Lord someday and we start to say them, they're not going to get past our lips. Because we're going to know better and God's going to know better. Can I encourage you? Get some gospel tracts. They're in my office. If we run out, we got boxes of them. If we run out of those, I'll buy some more. But people cannot be saved without a preacher. And we have been sent. Amen. Amen. Would to God that we would understand the importance of the position of messenger to this lost and dying world. Father, we do love you. We thank you for the opportunity to open your word. Father, strengthen our understanding, strengthen our faith. But